0: Good morning. Um, Shall we please pray? Let's ask God to give us understanding in his word, to open up our hearts to receive his word. Shall we please pray together? Jesus, you are full of grace. As we come to your word, please may we see you. As we come to your word, please may we see you. May we encounter your grace. Please may we encounter your grace. What we need is your grace. Spirit of God, please have your way amongst us. Come and reveal Jesus unto us. In his name we pray. Amen. So, last week, we had the privilege of listening to (laughs) Reverend Miller's first sermon. (laughs) And today, we have another privilege of listening to the first sermon recorded of Apostle Paul. Paul's first sermon. So, with Barnabas, they have been sent off. They are missionaries now going to spread the gospel everywhere. And Luke records... The sermon, the first sermon of Apostle Paul. So it's something that we have to listen to. So the title of the message this morning is The Gospel According to Paul. The Gospel According to Paul. We didn't read the whole thing. Um, Paul's sermon actually begins from verse 16. And they are in the synagogue. So almost like they've, they've come to church. The Bible is read... And then they, tell, they come to see Paul and Barnabas. And please, do you have anything to say? And then Paul comes and he preaches. So the gospel according to Paul, we will, we will see three things. Something about ourselves, something about Jesus, and then three responses. Three ways to live. Something about ourselves, something about Jesus, and then three responses. So, the first, something about ourselves. Verse 39. Let's read verse 39 together. It says, Through him, everyone who believes is, now listen to what it says, is set free from every sin. What does this presuppose about us? What does it presuppose? If it says that we will be set free from every sin, what does it say about us? The first thing, the gospel according to Paul, we have to know about ourselves is this. We are slaves to sin. We are unable to do the things we know which are right for us to do sin is like a power that dominates us we are slaves to sin we what sin sometimes it starts by like you are in control you decide to have your first joint you decide to have your first bet You decide. But very soon, what do you see? It controls you. You become powerless, and you are dominated by it. It eats away your freedom. We are slaves to sin. And the interesting thing about this slavery is that sometimes the very sin that has destroyed our lives, destroyed our relationship, destroyed our business, We fall to that very sin for escape. For example, somebody who is an alcoholic. Your marriage is broken, your business destroyed. How does this person escape the pain of all these things? More alcohol. We are slaves. We are unable to do do things that we know which are good. We are under some dominion and power. And the Bible says that that is all of us. And the issue of slavery, Paul actually, when he began his sermon from verse 16, this is what he says. It's interesting, his starting point. He says, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and new Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of the country. For about 45 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. So Paul begins his Gospel from the Exodus narrative. And remember what it was. These people were economically oppressed. Egypt was exploiting them and they were being destroyed. It needed God to come to intervene. They were powerless to help themselves in Egypt. And so when Paul is talking about freedom, the same thing for us, people of God. We are powerless to help ourselves to come from sin. It's something we all know. If you had the power To stop the things that are destroying your lives, wouldn't you have stopped? We are all aware of the habits and the tendencies and the desires. We if we had the power, you would have stopped. We are slaves to sin. That's something you should know about yourself and accept. Secondly, we learn something about Jesus. Look at verse 20b to 23. It says After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin. Who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David Yakin. king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 23. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So you see what Paul wants us to know about Jesus in tracing his lineage through David. Jesus is who? The king. Jesus has royal blood. He is the king. What happens to this king? Verse 27. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. So, This Jesus who is skin, his own people did not recognize that he is skin. They didn't care. It meant nothing to them. So they cook up some charges. And during those days, the religious leaders, they didn't have the power to sentence anybody to death. So they cook up charges, send it to Pilate. This guy, we have to get rid of him. And so Pilate also signs the death sentence. Jesus is executed. What does Paul say? He's buried in a tomb. Verse 30. But God. So the history of Jesus, his story does not just end in a tomb. But God. So for all the kings that he's, he's spoken about, Samuel, David, and all the people in between, all the, uh, um, Saul, David, and all the people, for them they died. Their story ends in the tomb. But God, what did God do? God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And here in Paul's sermon, the resurrection of Jesus is his high point. That is the thing he repeats over and over and over and over. Let's see the other verses that he he talks about. 32 and 33. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. 34. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. 37. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Resurrection, 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 resurrection. You want to remember who is speaking here? Paul. This is the dude who hated Christianity. In fact, he was, he, he, he was actively pursuing Christians, jailing them, approving the killing of, Jesus, um, of Christians. But what changed his life? He met the risen Jesus. You know, you can say all that you want about Jesus. Maybe his teaching is not too powerful. Maybe his, um, his healings, you are not sure. But now you are aware that this man died and you see him. Hard fact. There's nothing you can do about that fact. And that changed him. So when he's preaching here, his first sermon we have, he's talking about the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. God raised Jesus from the dead. He actually also talks about verse 31 and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to to Jerusalem, that there are so many witnesses. Peter, Matthew, who, all these people, Levi, Andrew, James, John, He says that they are scattered around. They saw the man. Resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Okay. So if we are slaves... To sin, we are unable to help ourselves. And if Jesus is the king who died, was buried, and resurrected, the king whose crown he wore was not golden but a crown of thorns, so what? So what? Now we will see the three responses. Every one of us here, we have chosen one. Three responses. The first response, look at verse, from verse 40. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wander, and perish. You scoffers. There are some people, when they hear the story of this king, They scoff. They make mockery. They make light of it. They can be in church, but still, they look at their skin and they scoff. They know what it requires of them, but they don't care. Yes, we will answer in today. They scoff. They mock. But here, Paul is saying, Paul warns them. Take care. Be warned. Scoffers. You are talking about a king who died and he rose again. And you look him in the face and scoff. Room 157. That's my room, Republic Hall. My roommate, Derek, once we were having an argument. So Derek, he is a kumasiano. He's quite controversial. So we're having an argument. And those of us from Accra, I think, we made a statement that appeared like we were belittling the Otunfo. So we're all arguing. And we're saying something almost to the effect, like Otunfo. Like what you're stop the argument. He, it's not that he was saying something against Otunfo. We were it is not as though we were insulting him directly. We were saying something that appeared that we were belittling his his, his authority. Derek stopped. He will not stand to listen to someone make mockery of his king. May God bless Otunfo with long life. But Otunfo will die. Yet, people give him honor and reverence. Let me ask you: This king, who died and rose again, or called Asamando and Asamba, are you going to continue to scoff him, make mockery of him? He says, "Be warned." Be warned. Don't don't treat Jesus less than you treat your your boss. The honor and dignity he deserves, his name. Scoffers be warned. The second response. Still verse thirty nine. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification, now listen, you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Some are scoffing, but others are working. They are trying to obtain justification, how? Through the law of Moses. What does it lead to? Disappointments. They think that what they need, what they need is some advice, some principles. So they are doing their best to live a life that God will say, yes, I accept you. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I can justify you. So they are doing their best. He says, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. The law is good, but through it, you will never receive forgiveness. Pursuing godliness, great. Stopping the bad habits, great. But if that is the basis for the forgiveness you want, please, Paul is telling us, you will never obtain it. Moses and the law and everything, they are like, what John is saying here, he says that, verse 25, as John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for. But there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to enter. John is saying that I am not the one. And this is the greatest of all the prophets. Moses is also telling you, I'm not the one. The law of Moses is telling us, I am not the one. Through it, no one can ever receive forgiveness. What you need, Paul tells us, is a savior, not an advisor. He says that, verse 23. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel their Savior. People of God, because because we are enslaved and we are powerless, what we need is rescue, not advice. Now imagine somebody who is drowning. Like it almost happened to me some time back (laughs) I've seen people were playing football in a pool. Black man, I can't swim, so I told myself I'll be the goalkeeper. So that was fine at the shallow end. To the realize that we were too few and the pool was too big, so let's just play at one side, just one side of the pool. I don't, <laughs> you see, keeper, when the ball is coming, you go for the ball. I don't know what happened. As I was going to catch the ball, step. I was close to the line the demarcation between the shallow end and the deep end. And it was quite sharp. And I was just slipping into the pool like that. Slipping with a ball. (laughs) Now, at that time, imagine somebody coming to me and say, quick, now lesson on swimming. How to tread water. Now, please, where's the chat? Please. And going to give me advice on how to swim. (laughs) What I needed was rescue the Bible says that what we all need is rescue. If you think that by your efforts, you are going to make it, (laughs) through the law of Moses, they did not obtain. So what should we do? The third response. Verse 39. Through him, everyone who Believes, believes, hears the message about Jesus, accepts that is true, and relies on Jesus for forgiveness. Believe. For some, they sound too simple, but it is potent. Everyone, you can be set free from every sin how believe there is a savior who has come and so we have to believe and the promise is that we will be set free from every sin some of us we have believed but we are not sure if we have been set free from the sins. What is Paul's answer? Paul will ask you this Did Jesus rise from the dead? That's, the first, that's all. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If Jesus did, you are forgiven. Did Jesus rise from the dead? We are not even first asking how remorseful you are. The basis of your forgiveness is not how remorseful you are. As though remorse is also another kind of work you have to do. He says, do you believe? That is the guarantee that you have been forgiven. You have been justified. Did Jesus, this event, they did it actually happen? In history, in time, at a particular place. They did it happen? If it did happen, that is where we end the discussion. I have been forgiven. When you go to Malcolm, and you buy your stuff, and there's this man by the gates, I've forgotten his name, John, yes. You meet John. What does John want to do? He wants your receipts. Once, okay, items, look at your receipts. You are confident to go. That is why when you, you are going out of Malcolm, you are not afraid. When you see, jo- you don't see John and say, what am I going to do today? No, 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 no. What have you done to him? All he is taking is what? The receipts. And you know you have paid for it because you have the receipt. Paul is telling us, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is our receipt. We have been forgiven if you believe. Nothing else. This is the receipt you need. So when the guilt comes again, don't try to fight it by saying that now I have stopped. Now I am trying better. No, we are still going back to the law of Moses. Remember the receipt. If Jesus rose from the dead in history, it is on that basis Paul says that because of that, the forgiveness of sins is preached unto you. You have the receipt. And this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, this is like a scant copy of the receipt. As you take the bread, as you drink the wine, know this, know this. Jesus died and rose again for you. You have the receipt. Guilt will come. Don't fight it with Moses. Fight it with the resurrection. Shall we pray?